Have you got questions about FICOR? Let's get you some answers. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com. The VOpreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original Everyday VOpreneur, ready to give you some more actionable, practical advice that you can use to grow your voiceover business. Now, just before we get into this week's episode, I want to tell you about something very exciting. The 12 voiceover gifts of Christmas are returning for 2022. Last year, well over $10,000 worth of prizes were given away, and this year I expect it's going to look very similar. If you want details and you want to get signed up to enter this contest, visit markscottcoaching.com forward slash 12 VO gifts. That's markscottcoaching.com forward slash 12 VO gifts. All right, this week we are talking about a subject that a lot of people have questions about, but not a lot of people are willing to talk about. So hopefully by the time we're done with this episode, you'll have some of the answers you were looking for about FICOR. So for many talent, there will come a point when they're faced with a decision to join the union or to not join the union. Now, if all you're ever doing is non-broadcast type work, maybe it won't be an issue. But once you get into more broadcast related work, commercial, animation, gaming, things of that nature, it's much more likely that it could be a decision that needs to be made down the road. So apart from straight union status, there's something called FICOR, which many of us, myself included, do not fully understand but we do hear people talking about it all the time. So to help us get a little more insight into the FICOR option is a very successful voiceover agent whose talents have won numerous voice arts awards and she's booked them on countless major campaigns. Welcome to the show, Lisa Ristow of Impressive Talent. Thank you. So let's start at the very beginning with a basic explanation of what is FICOR. FICOR stands for Financial Core. It seems to be a sort of assistance that SAG-AFTRA offers talent. Once they've become SAG-AFTRA, you can change your membership status to be FICOR so you can do any job without it being limited to being a SAG-AFTRA union job. And so that's the big draw for it, really, because for a lot of voice actors... The, the non-union stuff tends to be the bread and butter and the union opportunities that come. Those are great opportunities and sometimes they're very healthy paydays. But if they're not coming consistently, going straight union could potentially be a big financial hit for a lot of voice actors. So that's where the FICOR option comes in. So how does FICOR differ from being in the union then? Well, let's twist this out a little bit here. Uh, SAG-AFTRA encourages any new members to convert jobs to be union. Okay. 
if you convert a job, sure, that's great, but that requires a lot of work and effort. So just say you have Mark here, and then you got another guy who's union, and they want to hire the union guy. He goes, okay, great, let's convert it. That's going to take hours, if not longer, of paperwork. I'm sure it happens, but I don't know how frequent converting something happens. Usually it's a scary thing for people, right? As soon as you go to a client who's hiring non-union and you say, well, I'm union and I want to convert, I think for most, the the automatic assumption is now it's going to cost me more money and it's going to get more complicated. And, And so a lot of clients just don't want to go down that road, which I think is why a lot of voice actors don't specifically want to go down that road. And so again, I guess that's where FICOR comes into the equation in, in being able to let you play in both sandboxes, so to speak, right? Right. So just say you do go FICOR. You write a letter to SAG-AFTRA saying, I want to go financial core. There is a ruling about it for the Supreme Court of the United States. SAG will frown upon it, make you feel worthless because <laughs> they have too many of my talent. Yep. Okay. But you, you go FICOR you can do anything you want. You are still a SAG-AFTRA member, so to speak. You still have a SAG ID number. Okay. You still pay the same amount as a SAG-AFTRA talent would. Okay. You don't have to tell anyone you are FICOR. When they go to approve you, so just say you book a union job and you are FICOR, or you are SAG-AFTRA, either way. Typically, depend well depending on the job and how it operates, they could ask you for your SAG ID number. If they do, they run the numbers in their system, their secret system, to find out if you're a member in good standing and if you're paid up to date on your dues. Okay. Nowhere do they say this guy or whoever is FICOR. Uh, I've only had issues with talent not being paid up to date personally. Okay. So when you go FICOR, you give up a few things of being SAG after. You give up having carrying your ID. Okay. That doesn't really matter. When you need your ID number, you log in, you use it to pay all the time. Right. Your dues. You cannot state in your promotional materials that you are a SAG after talent. Okay. Some people do say they're a union talent. Okay. So you just can't you specify cannot, SAG-AFTRA. Right. Okay. You cannot attend any SAG-AFTRA classes, and you cannot vote in the SAG-AFTRA election. Okay. So there is a trade-off, right? There are, there are mm-hmm. certain things that you are giving up in order to, to do the FICOR thing. But I guess, I mean, the next question I was going to ask was, if FICOR allows you to do union work, why not just join the union? But I think the answer to that is because as FICOR, it's so much easier to do non-union work then. Is that is that the logic? Right. And for most voiceover talent, whether they're established, well, most of course who come here are established, you already have your own clients. Right. So just say you're voicing for the grocery store down the street and the hardware store in Iowa, and none of that is union. If you get caught, I don't know the penalty. But if you say to said client, well, let's convert it, I don't know what you're going to get with that. Yeah. And that's really the, therein lies the rub, right? Is is it's it sounds great to say 
convert all your non-union to union. And I know there are some voice actors that I've had conversations with who have been much more successful in doing that than others because it is, you know, easier said than done. And so that's the trade-off. If you don't want to give up all of that non-union work, if you don't want to lose out on all of that income from that client base that you've built up, but you still want to have the option to participate in union jobs, then FICOR is a way that allows you to, to do both of those things. So what genres of voice work would a, a talent be consistently booking in if they're thinking about a decision of whether or not to do union or FICOR? Does one lend itself to the other or how does that work? Uh, pretty much commercial, potentially like animation, things like that where they're seen and heard a lot. Not like a corporate thing or anything. So broadcast, like in-show narration and things of that nature and anything that's broadcast. Okay. Sure. Even, you know, cartoon, you know, if it's on TV, there could be even be other things. But and yeah. so because this is not confusing enough to try to keep up with already between the union and the FICOR, what about right to work states? How does that factor? Ah, in? Does it become a non-issue yeah. at that point? No, that's a weird area. I called SAG a month or two about it and had a discussion with them. So I'll see if I can explain it. I... I because when we book union jobs, the diehard SAG after whatever, client or whatever, immediately says, what's your SAG ID number? Right. Or we're going to do a Taft-Hartley, which yep. is kind of like a credit toward becoming right. a union talent. Yep. So when I called SAG, they said it depends on where the job originates, what state but it also could originate in a different country because SAG-AFTRA claims they are global. Okay. So when I said to SAG, we don't know where these jobs originate. We're not told that when we're presented with the opportunity. They said, oh, well, you can call us anytime and we'll tell you. So I said, okay. But I will say for voiceover specifically, because I do deal with on camera, the majority, gosh, in the past year or so, maybe once has someone asked for someone's SAG ID out of maybe 15, 20 union jobs, if not more. Some people just have the SAG ID or have it be a union job. I don't know why. Which, which is actually, it pays out usually better to the talent than a non-union, depending on the circumstances, but okay. not always. Okay. When I spoke to SAG, I told I had a client who reached out saying they only wanted union talent. They said, okay. they said the client is not allowed to ask for that. And the reason the client the client can prefer SAG after talent, but that's why they have the Taft Hartley, as long as the producer or whoever's in charge of the job fills out that form for the talent hired, there's no issue. Right to work states are exempt, but I don't know, of course, the rules per each state. But I have many talent who are in right to work states, voice talent, and they say they never have to join because of that. Yep. So when you see an occasional job that says you must be a SAG after member, you all need to know that's not true per SAG. Okay. 
legally anyone can audition for a union job, but do know if you get a credit, you will end up after two credits being a must join. Sure. But then even that becomes slightly different than if you're in a right to work state, because at that point, they can't make you join the union. Do I, am I understanding that correctly? So really, That's if you're in a I understand it. so if you're in a right to work state, the whole union FICOR conversation really becomes irrelevant at that point because you can just do the work that you want to do, and it doesn't really matter. So if you're outside of the right to work state. That's where the the SAG versus FICOR thing becomes a little bit more relevant. Now, you you did touch on this a little bit. If someone decides to go FICOR versus straight union, there are some things that they miss out on. What about pension benefits and and all of those aspects? Do you know if if you miss out on that as well? No, that's all the same, whether you're FICOR or not. But I've been told that recently... SAG-AFTRA has upped the required income a talent must have to qualify for their insurance. And I don't know if this is true, but they mentioned that residuals do not count into that calculation okay. now. So that's something which else Which is baffling. As we come to the end of 2022, Many voice actors have started to see a decline in their business, and a lot of people are worried about what's happening with the global economy. So what can you do as a voice actor to recession-proof your voiceover business if a recession does in fact hit? Well, I can tell you what I'm doing. I'm doubling down my efforts on marketing. I know that there are companies that are slowing down. I know that there are companies that are spending less. But I also know that in times of recession, there are companies that ramp up. There are new startups that come into play and turn into multi-million dollar companies. We've seen it time and time again throughout history. So am I backing away? Am I getting worried? Am I getting stressed? Absolutely not. I am doubling down on my marketing efforts. I'm going to make sure that if there are clients that are out there that are still hiring voice actors, I'm going to find them and they're going to know about me. I think you should be doing the same thing. If you are not ready to market your voiceover business, or if you know that you need to double down on your marketing efforts, but you don't know how, voiceover marketing playbook is going to be the thing that can help you do it. Playbook is my flagship marketing program, and it is going to be available again January 4th through the 13th, 2023. This is the course that is going to teach you how to market so that you can make sure that no matter what is going on in the economy, you are putting yourself in front of potential new buyers every single day. You can get the details on Playbook at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Again, it's available January 4th through the 13th, 2023, voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. What advantages does FICOR offer over being straight union? Is it just that ability to do that non-union work and not have to worry about it? You don't have any restrictions. So you can just do whatever jobs you want to do. As long as you pay your dues, you have no restrictions. As long as you aren't thrown out of sag after for heck if I know why. I don't know why people throw them out. I guess I do know one voice talent who successfully voices in union jobs and has the money rolling in specifically. But for voice talent, I think every one of my voice talent submit across the board, even if they're SAG after. Right. And some maybe not as much as others. 
I recently had one talent who told me in an email, I am only submitting for union jobs now. I said, that's not how we work here. I said, my agency is set up to either be FICOR or non-union. I, I can't have you only submitting for union jobs. You're not going to have much to audition for, number one. Number two, I need you to participate. She goes, well, I don't want to go against your rules, so I, I let her go. And this, this is a gal who wants to climb up the ranks and be a SAG officer. Okay. I don't know why, but that's what she wants. Yep. And so, I mean, everybody's got to decide what their path is, right? Because they're, they're you know, that's a, that's a discussion that we'll get into in a minute. Because I do know that th- there are dynamics there between FICOR and SEG. Just before we get into that, though, let's talk quickly about payment. So I know with a union job, you have your paymaster and all of the bells and whistles and hoops and circles that have to be jumped through or whatever. How does payment work for FICOR? Is there still a whole process that it has to go through? Yeah, in the, in the United States, you have to fill out an I-9 form, a W-4. The I-9 is a Homeland Security form. Okay. The W-4 is your tax form. Some people replace it with a W-9 if they have an EIN number. And you have to show ID. So if you're not a legal resident of the country, sometimes there's a little bit of bumps there. So if you're getting asked for some of these pieces of paperwork just know that this is normal standard procedure that you don't need to push back about giving out this information this is the way that it works if you want to get paid basically and with that your social security number and your personal information is on these forms that are sent to me which are then sent to whoever manages said job which goes then to their payroll which goes then to their paymaster and so that's all normal process, so don't freak out if, if you're getting asked for getting asked questions and, and getting asked for those types of documents. So I know we, we touched on this a little bit as well, that if you're FICOR, you can't specifically state that you are SAG-AFTRA. You can mention that you're union, but you can't specifically mention SAG-AFTRA. How do you bring it up in a conversation with a potential client? So maybe that you've got a client who's looking to hire union. And because it can be a, a sensitive subject sometimes, FICOR versus SAG-AFTRA and whatnot, is there a way that you, do you just say straight up, I'm FICOR and that's the end of the conversation? It's not a sensitive subject to people hiring talent. It's only a super sensitive subject to SAG-AFTRA. Okay. People, as long as you have a SAG ID number, if they ask for it, whether you're FICOR or not, you still have a number. And so then it doesn't, if you're doesn't not, matter. No. Okay. But if you're not, then... Uh, you say, well, do a Taft-Hartley. There, there's no other route. Well, sometimes for video games, if I have someone book a video game and they live in Europe, uh, they'll convert the union job to non-union and just send me a payment just because of the uh, tax paperwork, so to speak. Right. So it's funny because, you know, as we're talking about the subject and, and it, there, there's a part of me that feels like I'm broaching a conversation of Republican versus Democrat and trying not to upset somebody on the political spectrum. Right. But that's legitimately how the conversation sometimes goes between FICOR and SAG-AFTRA. SAG-AFTRA is obviously very sensitive about that. They want everybody to be SAG-AFTRA. And so they, you know, I do get the feeling that FICOR is sometimes looked down upon, which does become a red flag and a concern for voice actors who are, you know, worried that if they go FICOR, there's a negative perception that's going to come along with that. So I'm curious from an agent perspective, do you care? Oh, I prefer people to be FICOR. People call me every month who are my voice talent. They'll say, Lisa, yeah, 
I'm FICOR now. Don't tell anyone. Okay, great. Or, you know, they'll come to me, Lisa, I'm SAG after now. I say, why? <laughs> I say, do you need the f- copy of the FICOR letter to mail to SAG after? <laughs> So from your perspective, from an agent perspective, there's actually the advantage to being FICOR because it keeps your talent open to more opportunities. And you're and my not... opportunities, yeah, my opportunities hear more voices. Yeah. And so you're not seeing any kind of pushback or negative perception from a hiring standpoint. You're saying the people that are doing the hiring, they don't care one way or another. At times, I have had to educate these people. Sure. Knowing I'm risking losing the job, I explain. They're, they're like, one guy once, I have to have a SAG talent. I said, whoa. I sent him a bunch of talent, and they were mixed. And they picked a guy. He was non-union. They said, we want him. What's a SAG ID? I said, he doesn't have one. He has to have one. I said, no, he doesn't. And I educate them. And I I take a risk losing them, but I explain that that's not good. You pick the voice you want, and this is how it's done. Yep. So it's interesting then, because of the the, all the negative perception that is out there and the sensitivity that gets the subject gets treated with, it really is primarily just coming from the union that obviously wants to stick to a union agenda, which is their right to to do so. But when we're talking strictly from a talent perspective, from an agent perspective, from a client and hiring perspective, nobody really cares at the end of the day one way or another. At least that's what it sounds like. There are some SAG signatory agents and producers and stuff out there. Sure. But even them, they still sometimes send out non-union jobs. So I'm, I'm unclear as to exactly how or why they do that if they are a SAG signature. If I wanted to join Actors Access for my acting people, because of my location, I would have to open up a SAG shop okay. in my area. That means I would have to rent a two-room office yep. with SAG plastered on the door and yep. sit in that office all day. Right. Why? <laughs> That's a good question. Why? <laughs> So that's obviously not something that you're interested in doing. Well, you know what? This has been good, though, because I do think that a lot of voice actors get really nervous around the subject because they do feel like it's going to cost them opportunity, that it's going to get them in trouble, that it's going to affect their standing or, or anything like that. But really, it sounds like more than anything, it just gives you the ability to do more of what you want to do, just doing it in different pools, so to speak, union, non-union, whatever. It kind of opens you up to the ability to easily do everything and, and kind of float between the worlds. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. I mean, it depends what you do a lot of work in. If you do a lot of commercial, if you do a lot of animation or whatever, you might get called out and asked for your social your SAG ID number more. Right. But my, my goal is to keep people working. Yep. To build those resumes. And I, I have more diehard SAGs in my on-camera roster. Okay, Which, I mean, to me, that makes sense because, like, like the other thing, let's be honest, right? SAG is really a, it's an actor's union, right? A voiceover is kind of like a afterthought to it. Yeah, but let's just throw this out there since we got there. I've got plenty of SAG after talent are working background for $150 a day. Jeez. When, if they went FICOR, they could at least up it to make five, six, seven hundred a day. 
big difference. Do you really want to be sitting uh, 12 hours on a SAG after set, maybe being on camera for a couple minutes? That's how it is for on camera. Right. So voiceover, it seems much more flexible. I mean, yeah, I've had a few diehards here and there, but I think the world is going more non-union. Yep. It does seem Number that way. Number two, let's throw this out there. With the whole pandemic, when the pandemic hit, all on camera shut down. Yep. But I was already busy with voiceover and it just it just escalated. It was crazy busy. Right. But SAG after didn't adjust any of their requirements or pay or much of anything. They did have a few exceptions. But with the pandemic, they should have provided a lot more to the talent. The a lot of my SAG after talent had to go get full time jobs. Yep. Because they could not Couldn't afford to yep. live. Yep. I mean, I think at the end of the day, everybody's got to decide what the right lane for them is to choose. But it seems to me like, for the vast majority of voice actors, non union work is going to be our bread and butter. And those really great union opportunities are going to be out there every once in a while for us to go after. And so to go straight union at the risk of all of the non-union work that you have or can do, you know, it is a risk. And so that's where FICOR gives you the ability to to do both things. So you've got to look at where your career is, where your career is going and make a decision that is, you know, makes sense for for the direction that you're trying to take. Is there anything else about FICOR that we need to understand or that you want to convey to, to help us understand a little bit better? The diehard SAG actors, if you have a discussion with them, they, they will give you grief. And that, that is the way it is. Okay. There's no way around it. Uh, it, it kind of goes political that way, yeah. But even if you go FICOR, you don't have to accept the least, the cheapest jobs, but you have the opportunity to price them out. Because I'm doing more casting now. Um, I'm bidding on a lot of jobs across the board. And some people, they like, are you crazy? You know, you, you, you want that much money? I said, if you're, if you're using this voiceover locally on TV, but you throw it on social media for the same amount of time, you got to double that rate because social media is more viewed now than TV commercials. Yep. So I'm doing so much educating to people which is i'm trying to get through to the producers this is how you have to have this so ficor does not mean you're getting a low price job necessarily right it means you can still negotiate you can you know if you, someone reaches out to you directly or if you're on a bodalgo or whatever you, you can always say i i don't want to work for that rate and you don't have to sag rates are set in stone yep but FICOR, they're, you know, I'm not saying you should negotiate every job, though. That'll really be bad. <laughs> so. so what about then? So one final question, because I, I know this is one that people are thinking about, too. You decide that you're going to go FICOR because for now it makes sense for you. You're primarily doing non-union work, but you you want access to some of those union jobs. But five years down the road, the trajectory of your career has changed and now you really want to be more union-based. Maybe you're going to LA and you're going to give it everything you've got. Can you go from FICOR to straight SAG? Will they let you? Or once you've done the FICOR thing, are you kind of blacklisted? Do you know? You 
Yeah, you need to apply and you have to pay it something like $5,000 application fee and they'll review it and let you know. But there's really no reason for you to unless you really want to get into SAG ranks. Right. Because nobody knows. Well, I guess there are SAG events that happen a lot in LA. You couldn't attend those. Sure. But although I, I, you know, I have talent who I have, who I haven't had, who I've had on the roster and I have now who are SAG, I know... You know, I could probably pick out two or three who just won't audition for anything but SAG after. Right. But with all the talent I have, that's really not bad. It's one of those things where people just have to weigh their options, I guess, and figure out what's what's the right fit for them. But it sounds to me like for a lot of people, FICOR might be the way to go. I, I agree. Now, I do have some talent uh, who don't want to be part of the union at all, so they just don't audition for any union projects, yep. and that's fine. Yep, that's a, another option too, right? And that's where every—that's like the beauty of voiceover. Everybody gets to decide what their own career trajectory is going to look like, or what kind of jobs they want to do, or whatever. But it's an interesting conversation to have, and I have no doubt that I'm going to get some interesting emails as a result of this. I'll probably have to find. Yeah, and I'm not me. saying SAG-AFTRA is a bad thing. No, but I'm saying it's very hard. It's a very slim margin to book only SAG. Right. And that's the big thing, right? Is for a voice actor who thinks maybe you don't know any better, maybe you're starting out, maybe you're trying to figure out how it all works. What we're saying is if you do decide that you're going full straight union SAG after only, you are going to be limited in your prospects. And, you know, there are people, there are talent who have absolutely made it work for themselves, but there are a lot more who have struggled and that's where FICOR can bring in a little bit of balance for them, I guess. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being FICOR. If you look at my profiles, some of my talent, there's FICOR listed. I'm yep. FICOR and FICOR and FICOR. And that I have seen recently more jobs saying FICOR or non-union. Right. It's it like, is, I think this is just a byproduct of one of the other shifts that's going to take place in the industry, right? 15 years ago, everything went through agents and then online casting came along and that was a disruption to the industry. And, you know, uh, there was a point in time where everything or all the big jobs still got recorded in a studio somewhere and then COVID hit. And now that doesn't happen anymore and everything is home studio and that's another disruption to the industry. And it's it feels like this may be just another one of those changes that happens over time is the way that we work and want to work changes and evolves over time and the industry just adapts to it. Yeah. And if SAG-AFTRA, what if they change their must join from two to five? Yep. That can make a huge difference for so many things. Yep. And, you know, and then when, when I've got, you know, some talent, they'll book a union job and they booked another one. They're like, do I have to join this time? Do I have to join this time? Yep. I said, well, they didn't ask for your SAG ID or social security number, so I don't see it. Because, again, it's where it originates. And it's this complex thing of figuring out. And I don't know if it's always, I mean, of course, everyone wants to know if they have to spend money. <laughs> but sometimes we just don't have the answers. Yep. We don't, unless you want, I mean, if I have to call SAG, I call SAG in Los Angeles. They have, they answer the phone the most. They they, they have huge things. They research multiple departments. If I call my local SAG place, they never answer the phone. So. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Lisa, this has been really good. And I think for anybody that didn't really have an understanding of FICOR, if nothing else, Hopefully we've educated people a little bit more on it. I mean, hey, I'm Canadian. I'm not union. I'm not FICOR. I got no skin in the game either way. So I can be 
I can be Switzerland here. I'm the neutral party that's just presenting some information, but it is something that gets asked about a lot and there's not a lot of information on it. It's a subject that not everybody wants to talk about. And so I do appreciate you giving, giving us a little bit of time and sharing a little bit of your wisdom to help us get a little bit better understanding of how FICOR works. So thank you so much for that. Sure. So does that answer some of your questions about FICOR? Does that ease some of the stresses, some of the worries, some of the concerns that maybe you've had about the possibility of going FICOR over going straight union? Hopefully this interview and this episode has given you some of the information that you need to help make a better and more informed decision. And I want to say thank you to Lisa for everything that she shared. If you've enjoyed this episode, can you do me two quick favors? First, can you take a minute to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening to the Everyday Vopreneur podcast? A five-star review would be very much appreciated. And also, let me know that you're listening. Tag me in your Instagram stories. You can do that at Mark Scott. That's how you can tag me on Instagram, at Mark Scott. Don't forget about the 12 voiceover gifts of Christmas, by the way, if you haven't signed up yet. Details at markscottcoaching.com forward slash 12VO gifts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The Voice Sam Player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.